0: I'm Michael Blackmore and I have a question for you. Who would you distrust the most from these usual suspects? A politician? A used car salesman? Or perhaps our old favourite, a real estate agent? Although I have my suspicions, I'm not going to answer that for you. But what I can do, however, is shine a light on the latter option, putting a bit more colour around the black and white stereotypes of real estate preconceptions. Oh yes, the good, the bad and the ugly, but no BS and no spin, just as it is. A warm welcome, therefore, to the very first episode of Sold on the Dream, or to use its more descriptive and slightly more revealing subtitle, The Poor Man's Guide to a Life in Real Estate. Well, hang on. Did he just say poor man's guide? Yes, I did. Spoiler alert. Let me start by telling you what this isn't. It isn't yet another secret of my success or fast track to big earnings blueprint. It isn't another bulletproof guide to lucrative property investment either. After all, there's already an endless stream of experts out there ready to provide you with such dynamic content. And in truth, I wouldn't pretend to be one of them. (laughs) Okay, I'm not really selling the sizzle yet, am I? And gee, that's what we agents are supposed to be good at. So what are we listening to? You may well be asking at this point. Frankly, just a true tale of day-to-day life in real estate, but critically, without the sugar coating. Yeah, less guru and more secret agent. Working behind enemy lines, feeding back some credible intel on what's really going on. (laughs) Not quite gripping you yet? Well, fair enough. But you see, once you navigate around all the outward pretense, bluster and ego things can become quite fascinating. Stay tuned, and ultimately, amongst other things, you'll learn about the best use of blunt instruments, hear about the terrifying blob, kangaroo impersonators, and snake oil salesmen, just to name a few. Plenty of other campfire tales as well. Let's put a bit of meat on the bone and help you to ponder the big questions. I mean, real estate, easy money, or a mugs game? And those agents, high-flying champions or low-life swindlers out to get you. And so, dear listeners, if you've ever wondered what the reality was on the ground, but were too scared to ask, then, overcoming episodes, I'll attempt to lift the veil on this somewhat murky world in a humorous but honest expose of inner workings from someone who has been at the coalface for more than 15 years. And gee, don't I know it. Combining real-life observations with some, hopefully, amusing anecdotes, the primary intention is to entertain here. Nonetheless, I believe this easygoing cross-examination will provide a few useful insights for anyone with a passing interest in property, plus, perish the thought, any would-be agents. We'll try and cover most bases, the initial training, or lack of it, the well-worn practices enshrined in stone, plus all the varied excitement and drama that comes with being customer-facing. All from a diligent professional who, nonetheless, is a self-proclaimed average guy. Yes, that's right, before we get into it, and I know this goes against the real estate grain, but I'm happy to freely admit I'm no superstar and I've always been more of a, well, consistent plodder. Yet in doing so, I feel this represents the more realistic side of the industry for a great many of its participants. My best achievement, by industry standards, might simply be sticking it out for those 15 plus years, most of them as commission only. Indeed, plenty of time in which I've slowly come to comprehend the fascinating internal workings of this, well, intriguing profession. A little bit of background first. I grew up in the UK and worked in international finance in London for many years. Yes, I know, another potentially whinging POM who flew here and didn't grow here. Grew here? You know what I mean. The flying in question was in 2006, moving to Australia with my Queensland-born wife and our young children. Without a job on arrival, I yearned for a fresh direction that this big life change might offer me. Real estate, I tell you, was never a prior idea and only presented itself as a viable option due to being a quick and obtainable career transfer. Five-day course, get a licence and off you go. Woohoo! The heads up from that having come from a careers expo in Brisbane. Also, perhaps here was a challenge as a newly arrived Englishman attempting to sell Australian homes to Australians. Well, okay, some Australians as it turned out, intermingled with many other inbound nationalities, much like myself. Can't say I had a great opinion of the industry before I started, and I actually felt this could be an opportunity to apply my cultured business past life into a more professional offering as my point of difference. Yeah, good luck with that. A few housekeeping notes as well. Firstly, over the time that I've been gathering these observations and memories together, the real estate landscape has evolved the rise of technology and the emergence of millennial customers has impacted the way we operate. I commenced my career in slightly easier times. For example, the relative ease of gaining an initial position in the industry has probably become a little harder, so some of the stories will need to be viewed in that context. No doubt things will continue to develop at an ever more increasing pace. I've probably been replaced by an AI chatbot as we speak, yet equally certain basics remain constant in terms of human behaviour and interaction. And that, people, is where the fun starts. Next, I should probably mention my personal experiences and the related stories contained in this podcast series are all based on Queensland legislation. As with many things in the good old un-United States of Australia... Mate, that's bordering on and POM. Sorry. There are significant differences in local practice between individual states which impact aspects of initial training and subsequent processes. However, luckily... Most of the general observations and human traits highlighted remain true and comparable across any state lines. Regardless, the objective here is not to get too bogged down in silly technical detail or legal finer points. Hmm, much like some agents I've known. And finally, I'll just put on record, I'm not here to ridicule the industry tirelessly either. Just simply cut through the extensively deployed smoke and mirrors to highlight some of its hypocrisy and many idiosyncrasies. However, in doing so, and for balance, to also demonstrate that many of the practices and methods people often question have originated with sound reasoning in order to combat the unregulated chaos that is, frankly, dealing with the general public. In that regard, as I try to break a few things down into areas of common angst, I will look to show both the client and agent's perspective of what goes into this big melting pot of emotion, stress and ambition. Excited yet? Well, we'll start at the point of entry and then overcoming episodes understand the steps and environment needed to establish yourself and open things up into all the wonderment and excitement that follows. Well, if you can last that long. Most of these topics and content will be based around my accompanying book, Sold on the Dream. For more details, check out michaelblackmore.com and my Facebook page. By the way, that's more M-O-O-R, you know, as in bleak, windswept and boggy. Nonetheless, there'll be a good bit of ad-lib as well, because, as you know, agents can talk crap all day long. Now, some that may not talk crap, i.e. those talented top performers working in the best offices, will of course wish to paint a slightly different picture. And you know what? That's fine. I will always acknowledge these elite individuals and be in awe of what they can achieve. But statistics repeatedly show they represent a relatively small percentage of the industry as a whole. And, believe me, there are plenty of others to go round. This then symbolises a guide for these foot soldiers, the common man or woman, and the overriding mood is certainly intended to be enjoyable as opposed to overly critical. After all, this profession has ultimately kept me afloat thus far in this great country and provided many new friendships and memorable experiences along the way. Okay, that's enough with the preamble. Let's get into it. About time, I hear you say. Wow, where on earth do we start? Good question. And the daunting one that confronts many a fresh-faced and, well, some not-so-fresh-faced individuals as they embark on their glittering new career in this exciting and endlessly rewarding world of real estate. In truth, if they're just starting out, it's usually answered very quickly. Sit down, shut up and cold call these 300 numbers a day that no one else in the office wants to do until you get a lead you can hand over. Hmm, But more on that later. Now, I won't make any presumptions on prior knowledge, so, first things first, what actually is the job? Hmm, to be fair, probably another good question, actually. Sure beats me. This podcast series will primarily cover the experiences and observations of a sales agent role. As the dynamic name suggests, this relates to the selling of houses rather than letting them. Cool, a career in sales then. Yeah, but critically, this is one where you have absolutely no product to sell until you go and get it yourself. This splits the job into two very defined parts, listing and selling. Listing involves prospecting for potential stock, i.e. property, to then be able to market and sell. Prospecting consists of various activities to essentially establish contacts with people, such as traditional cold calling, door knocking, flyer dropping. In this digital age, these are now combined with more dynamic electronic endeavours such as social media blogs and other internet-based exposure. Mind you, the age-old pursuit of sucking up to the principal in the hope of being given some free leads doesn't hurt either. In truth, you're still selling in this first stage, the product simply being yourself and your company. Listing is key. It's your absolute lifeblood. No stock, no cash. So most employers will actually place a higher value on an agent listing a property than selling it. Also, this stock, once acquired, has no unit or recommended retail price, and you have to research, guess, make up, delete as appropriate, its correct market value yourself. In conjunction with the owners, well, perhaps, for potential buys as an individual commodity, as with any product, price it too high, and hey, no one will buy it. Selling, by contrast, relates to the marketing of the property once listed and the subsequent negotiations and agreement of a contract of sale. Both functions must be completed in order to achieve a commission, but it is the listing aspect of the job which ultimately determines your success going forward and sinks many a hopeful. Good house, priced correctly, will sell almost regardless of the agent's performance at that stage, but have no house to sell in the first place, and hey, you're dead in the water. Now, admittedly, in times of high sales and activity, some starters may initially be taken on in an assisting role, needing only to deal with the selling side, effectively working as a sidekick, oh, sorry, sales associate to an established high-flying agent. This may insulate them from the harsh realities of chasing their own listings for a while, but not usually for long. And once told to stand on your own two feet, it can be a bit of a shock to the system, Yep, not all selfies and sold stickers, I'm afraid. From my experience, a sales career is many things challenging, complex, frustrating, yet equally rewarding and highly satisfying when things go well. If you're a people person, there are great opportunities to meet and greet a broad cross-section of the community in different stages of their life journey, all with unique stories to tell. Perhaps reflecting this, the job itself is culturally diverse and genuinely open to all comers, young and old. This, coupled to the relatively easy entry pathway, makes it a favourite for mid-life changes, like yours truly, as much as for aspirational young starters. Indeed, gained life experience is probably an asset. When you work in a team environment, it can certainly make for a fascinating, eclectic mix. Wow, I think I nailed that first take. Different ages, backgrounds and personal aspirations, yet certain characteristics are more common across the spectrum in those that have managed to stick around being naturally self-assured strong-minded and outgoing are desired attributes hmm. of course there is sometimes a thin line between such values and just being eh, egotistical high maintenance and self-centered as we shall see Ah, oh, i can tell you're keen by now so what's involved to get a foot in the door i can hear you say When I enlisted to become an entry-level sales agent, this encompassed a straightforward five-day training course at the Real Estate Institute of Queensland to learn the broad basics of the industry through a number of defined modules, followed by an open book exam. Some attempt to make sure you were listening. Assuming you passed this first go, and if you didn't, seriously, abandon any aspirations immediately, you then just needed to get a provisional position with a registered real estate office. Historically not too difficult, but certainly becoming a little harder. From there you applied and pay for a sales agent licence. These normally come back from the office of fair trading after police checks within 3-4 to four weeks. So, assuming you haven't robbed a bank, or murdered someone recently, hey presto! You now have the keys to the Ferrari, having only just passed your driving test. So, what on earth could go wrong? Make no mistake, real estate sales can extend exceptionally good rewards. However... Contrary to popular belief, for many honest grafters, it offers, at best, only moderate to low income, with plenty of (laughs) self-funding and self-doubt along the way. Yes, it offers flexibility in a way most office or factory jobs can't, but there is a payback, because you can be working unscheduled and unsociable hours at any point in time at the beck and call of clients, just to chase down that next paycheck. If you want structured 9-5, and God forbid, a guaranteed salary you probably need to go and work for that bank you recently didn't rob. Most people bemoan agents with their seemingly cruisy lifestyle, but truth is, 95% of them probably wouldn't put up with what your average agent has to, in terms of income uncertainty and fluctuations, combined with random hours and constant accessibility on demand. Forget a quiet day off, (laughs) well, unless of course you have absolutely no stock To the outsider, I feel there's some intrigue and, dare I say it, perhaps even some romantic appeal. This cut and thrust, slightly shadowy industry, where there is good money to be made if you can talk the talk. Good in theory, but the small print is, ultimately, whether you can walk the walk as well. Bluff and bluster may work for a while, but only hard work and consistent results will ensure a future. I'm not going to lie, there's an undeniable buzz when you win your first listing or close a sale, which can become quite addictive. Unfortunately, it can also get you ahead of yourself very easily. Beware, beginner's luck and naive enthusiasm must stand the long test of time and multiple rejections. Now, without stating the obvious, when you come into this industry, you do need to be aware that the core activity is, effectively, people interacting with other people. Great if you like a good yarn, hey? Hmm, but there are social side effects as well, and agents can be depicted by those they have dealt with from absolute champions through to the scum of the earth. Oh yeah, heroes and zeros all here. Although, as mud tends to stick, it's generally the zeros we hear about to form perhaps our somewhat one-sided opinion. In today's instantly judgmental world of social media, agents are quite often in the crosshairs of many faceless keyboard warriors. This isn't really helped by that ease of access into the profession. As attractive as it is, it potentially adds to the image problem, as at any one time there may be a number of fledgling agents learning on the job and therefore opening themselves up to possible problems and misunderstandings that, with the hindsight of gained experience, you would tend to avoid or eliminate. This is perhaps evolving, but historically there have always been easy openings for anyone wanting to give it a go, no matter how ill-advised. When your office policy is as many bums on seats as possible, you'll throw anyone a bone. Interlinked with this is another problem with structure. Rest assured, in most small or mid-sized offices, there probably won't be much in the way of an HR department. Yeah, I've seen it so many times before. Congratulations from the boss, you're on board. Swiftly followed by something like, the guys will show you the ropes. Mm. Unfortunately, the guys in question are other agents, either on commission only or debit credit which means they're focused on themselves only and where the next dollar is being extracted to live on. Helping you doesn't pay the bills, buddy. Add to this the inherently insecure nature of most agents and why would they help someone else who is effectively now further competition to them in the office? All in all, best you already know what you're doing, sunshine. Now, if you're lucky, there might be a sales manager with specific brief to assist you. However, don't get too excited As in my experience, many sales managers are in fact just another favoured agent pumped up by the principal with a glamorous senior title and an extra retainer to keep them sweet. They'll often still be selling themselves, and whilst they might give you some lip service, perhaps even a weekly one-on-one meeting for appearances sake, don't hold your breath on learning anything too enlightening beyond the basics, i.e. get on the phone and knock at some doors. Despite some obvious inherent risk with novices, there is a flip side – Oh, and it's a good flip side. You see, they're oh so keen, and they'll generally do anything to get a start. So, they're perfect cannon fodder to utilise to do the unpopular urban myth tasks that many established agents try to shy away from all the time. I mean, just because you're established doesn't mean you still shouldn't be doing lots and lots of cold calls every day, right? (laughs) Wrong. Yeah, we all know what we're supposed to do every day and all maintain we do it, but really, give me a break. Don't subject yourself to the drudgery and outright desolation of cold-calling random numbers all day when these lemming new recruits can do your dirty work instead. Let them take all the abuse and negativity. After all, we all had to do it when we started, allegedly. If by some miracle they actually get someone with a pulse who wants to talk, they can be made to either hand the lead over or an experienced colleague will mentor them as they are clearly too inexperienced to do it on their own. Mentor, as in your experienced colleague, completely takes over, grabs all the headlines, all the glory, and, importantly, most of the money. It's a porn sacrifice. Kings and queens only start getting involved when the play develops. At a couple of offices, I've witnessed new trainees starting, all put through the rigorous foam farm, the majority following the same path. For the first couple of weeks, they would genuinely hammer the lines. And they would usually jag a few weakish leads and appraisal opportunities. And we would be told how good they were in the following week's sales meeting and how we should follow their example of no fear. However, nearly all would burn out by week four through the sheer soul-destroying grind of it all and either leave on their own accord or start playing up and their call numbers would suddenly drop off along with the so-called opportunities. Very occasionally one might go the distance, perhaps it was just in their makeup, but most would be quietly shown the door and the next one rolled in. So what of my own starting experience? Huh, glad you asked. To a degree, along these typical lines. Day one, the principal welcomed me, and after a brief chat, handed me straight over to his sales manager. He was a decent enough guy, fair bit younger than me, actively selling himself, but he did seem somewhat bemused as to what he had to do with me. The rest of the team there were pretty experienced, and I think in his short time in this elevated role, I was the first novice he'd come across with a blank page to fill. In fairness, he did at least have some notes. A sort of ABC of sales prospecting for a newbie. I think it was cut and paste from somewhere else, but hey, it was something. I was told to have a quick read through this and then go and drive my newly allocated farm area to note any for sale signs already there. Essentially, to build an understanding of the existing activity that would be in my patch. And that was pretty much that. Notes covered the usual suspects making so many calls a day, combined with door-knocking individual streets, etc. Off I stumbled, following these generic instructions of how to proceed. Day two, however, and things took an unexpected turn. The agent that I'd been sat next to in the office introduced me to the dark side. He sat there with a somewhat smug look on his face, watching me collating my information from sign-spotting the previous day. Nice spreadsheet, but what are you actually going to use the information you gathered for, he inquired. Well, um, so I have an idea of market profile and other agent share. I repeated parrot fashion from what had been explained 24 hours prior. (laughs) Is that it? He remarked ruefully. You won't earn much money just doing that. You can follow these notes and achieve a little, very slowly, or cut to the chase and make some real money. Come with me for a drive. He grabbed my newly typed list and headed for his car. You have to do the uncomfortable, direct things that actually make money and ignore everything else. Waste of time, he advised. We're going to door knock the properties with existing for sale signs only on your list and try and get them to change agencies. Now this, naively, seemed at odds with my recent REIQ training, where it was indicated we couldn't jump other agents' signs and approach them directly about the same business. Thus, in these very early days, there was already a demonstration of the two potential paths that lay ahead. The more respectful but slower accumulation of sustainable contacts with which to develop a database and opportunities from, or the quicker and dirtier route of slightly less ethical smash and grab of anything that moves, regardless of reputation or risk. I went along for the ride with my colleague, so to speak, and unbelievably, the first house we knocked at had just come out of an exclusive agreement and invited us in for a chat. Wow, I thought, perhaps this guy does have the answers. Well, yes and no. He most certainly had a fearless, no-nonsense direct approach. That is an asset in many respects when your livelihood depends on making new contacts. However, if results were not immediate, his attention span was well, somewhat limited. Case in point, these owners, whilst friendly enough, weren't prepared to commit to another exclusive agreement yet. They offered an open list, but critically with no new advertising, and he really wasn't that interested, so ultimately nothing eventuated. In my subsequent experience, agents with this type of approach generally didn't achieve a lot more. Their motto appearing to be, why do in five days what you can do in two? Fair enough, I guess, but if you want to be a real champion, turn that around and ask yourself why go missing for the other three. Anyway, I'm not ashamed to say, despite possibly earning less in the short term, well, and the long term, I rejected the dark side and stuck to what I felt sat well with my own character. In hindsight, my first office seemed quite a good environment to start. The structures were outlined and the principle was knowledgeable and generally approachable if needed. Yes, of course, you're expected to make calls, get out and about, door knocking, fly dropping, etc. But there was not the absolute micromanagement of flogging you to death on 300 plus calls a day with someone standing over you. Which is probably good, because I wouldn't have lasted. This allowed me to develop a style of method that, well, felt right for me. The most productive model? Oh, some would say no. But at least I could sleep at night, knowing I hadn't overstepped the mark anywhere. I was also communicating with people genuinely as me, not some overly scripted robot with a very thinly veiled dialogue that suggested only self-interest. Given what I saw later on, particularly with new starters, I think I probably just got lucky. After all, there are a few infamous operations where even established agents have to demonstrate tangible outcomes every day from hammering the phones, otherwise they're not going home forcing some of them to become quite creative in what constitutes a win and when to strategically hold back something for use the next day. Ultimately, on entering this industry, you are laid bare very quickly, and the mantra is clear. You've got no database, you need to generate one. Or, in other words, you're nothing, have nothing, and are of no use until you do. And so, your learning curve begins. thank you so much for listening to this first episode as mentioned the content of this podcast and more is available in my book sold on the dream further details of which can be found on michaelblackmore.com in the next episode now you're in we'll try and get all warm and fuzzy and see what encouragement and support you and your new team are given and getting your name in lights see you then